0: and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. Today is Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, otherwise known as National Two Different Colored Shoes Day. I'm Chris Salamone, and with me as always are Mike Montgomery and Ben Ueda.
1: Where's Jessie when you need her? Exactly, I was thinking.
0: I know, you know, it's funny. When I visited you guys last week, I was wondering, I was like, hey, you don't have your two different colored shoes on, and then I looked closely, and she did. She had gray and black. It was like the subtle version instead of the red and blue that I'm used to.
2: Exactly. Well, go follow Jessie, Ben's sister. It's I Jessup. And, uh, and it's the
0: national day that you you have
1: to. Exactly. You're obligated.
2: If she's not posting about it, no one is. <laughs> <laughs> she posts about it like all the time. So exactly. Yeah, yeah. She's celebrating three sixty five. Yep. So we're gonna switch up the format slightly to the show. Instead of talking about what we're working on or our obsession or whatever, we are gonna talk about some plywood challenge entries that we're really excited about. And hopefully, we have enough entries that we can do this kind of every week that the that the challenge is live
0: for. So. Anybody have any projects that they're excited about sharing? Sure, I can kick it off. So the one that I'm looking at so far, he hasn't actually started building it yet. All he's posted is a render of his idea. It's from Ingstrom Design on Instagram. And it's a rocket ship, kind of like floor standing mm. light, I would describe it. The style is kind of like, um, I guess it's called Googie, which is like that like kind of 1950s Jetsons space race sort of modern look right yeah there's a lot of it actually in palm springs you probably saw a lot of it last week when you were there mike whole lot um it looks awesome like this guy i've seen a lot of different renders that he's done and he's actually helped me with some rendering stuff in the past and yeah i've I've talked to him a number of times he has some really awesome looking designs so it's cool seeing this idea that he has and i want to see him bring it to life
1: awesome ben what do you got so you can see all these projects yourself if you just search on instagram for hashtag rockler Plywood challenge, and we got a lot of awesome entries. So, overall, the thing that just most uh, impresses me is the variety and the quality of the work. But I'm going to single out two in particular, actually, three. So, the first one is from White Grain Woodworking. So, that's on Instagram. And they did this really simple media console sort of side table thing with a twist. And the twist is it has this herringbone pattern of all end grain in the top. It's uh, it, it's awesome. It's like tasteful, it's very doable, it's an efficient use of the material, and it has a really dramatic aesthetic. Uh, the other one, totally different formal qualities, but also uses the grain really well, is from someone named Manolis Sampson. So it's Manolis underscore Sampson. And he made this incredible curved power carved and sanded smooth uh plywood base for a glass coffee table it's got incredible sculptural qualities it's really well balanced and uh it just looks fantastic the the third one is one that we posted on the modern maker podcast instagram account and that's i think uh probably the most dramatic entry we have so far since it's since it has a moving parts it's got some serious wow factor yeah yeah, it's the the bookshelf that sort of transforms. And check out our our Instagram to see it. And let me just bring up the name. Who made that one again? It's Baloney underscore
0: Sneckery. Yeah, ri- not spelled like Baloney the meat. B a l o
1: n i, Balagna. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's incredible, and it's done with like it looks like the hinges are pretty basic, you know, hardware hinges. One and way, yeah. And then a bunch of simple plywood squares, but the the cumulative result is is pretty jaw-dropping. The other cool thing is we've been giving shouts-outs on our Instagram stories or Instagram posts, and we're seeing a lot of these people have their follower count double, if not triple or quadruple. Um, and so I know not everybody is into sort of becoming a content producer, but if you are sort of a either, you know, hobbyist or, or do woodworking as sort of a side hustle, uh, these, these uh, challenges are a great way to get a little bit more exposure for your work. Totally. And all of the people that
2: we're linking
1: to specifically,
2: I'll put their Instagram handles in the description along with the other stuff that I talk about so you can check them out there. But the person I want to shout out is at PC underscore makes and he made some chairs. So last week we shouted out Johnny Builds he had some chairs and these are sort of on the whole and other end of the spectrum. So what he was able to do was use a CNC to carve out the side profile of the chair. And then he did it about 20 times so that he was able to glue up these layers and then the lines of the plywood actually run the length of the chair so that you're sitting on the different layers of veneer. So it's very cool, it's an interesting technique and uh, an efficient use of the materials as well. So all of those are linked below. Make sure and check them out. Make sure there is plenty of time for you to submit a challenge entry, it's not over until the end of the month. All you have to do is hashtag Rockler Plywood Challenge.
0: You know, I think also PC makes that's a good example. You know, people are always asking, can you use more than just plywood? And clearly, he used to use a metal base. Right. But it's still an example that even though it's like you know fifty percent metal, fifty percent wood, I feel like the it really meets the challenge still because the top is such a focal point.
2: Exactly. Of the project. Totally. Now, we do have a call-in segment that we can go ahead and throw it to. We've got one caller. We had a few call-ins, but it was all kind of encapsulated by what this one person said. And once again, it's from White Grain Woodworks on Instagram. So here
1: we go. Hey, guys. I'm Dave from White Grain Woodworking, and I just wanted to say, Chris, I feel your pain. I used to build websites, and I walked away from it from the exact same reason, even though it was pretty lucrative. I do just want to let you know though, with woodworking anyway, I did exactly what Ben suggested with putting a higher price on client work that's completely custom or putting in your contract that you have creative freedom for any design changes or anything like that. And I just want to let you know, it works. It significantly lowers the stress level of dealing with the client and making sure that they're still happy and they're hiring you because they've seen your work and they know your work and they like your work. So even if it's not a 100% up to your own expectations, they definitely know that they're going to get a quality piece from someone that they enjoy their work. So don't beat yourself up too much, but definitely try what Ben suggested. Thanks, guys.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much for the words of encouragement. It helps to, uh, I guess, know that other people go through the same thing and in all different creative endeavors. Like he said, he did it with web design. Um, I guess the one thing that I would say is that with this project in particular, I don't know if this came off when we were talking about it last week, is that I, pr- I feel like I probably could have, if I kept working on it, got it up to the client standards. I think part of it was that I wasn't happy about it. Um, and that's probably actually the main thing that made me kind of want to change directions on where I was going with it and not end up selling it ultimately. Um, I did keep working on the piece. And got it to a pretty good point. I still think that it's flawed, and and that there were. Re- I, I feel like I made the right decision by not sending it out. But it's funny, like Mike, I showed you a picture of it the other day, and th- yeah. that was just a quick one off of the phone. And I, I, like I said, I finished it. I got all my finished picks, and I know people are gonna like when I put the video out. They're gonna be like, "You're crazy! This thing looks awesome!" And it actually does. Like, I really like the way that it looks. I'd say it's like. You know, top five things that I've ever made, probably.
2: Yeah, the base has some really great geometry.
0: Yeah, I don't know. No, it's just, uh, I mean, I, I guess I could try those things going forward. Like I said, I still think that the content creation thing and the the timeline that that demands is at odds with selling high end furniture. I mean, I don't know. Are there? Is there anybody you guys can think of off the top of your head that does that? I mean, I guess John Malecki maybe would be best guess i have for it i know johnny brooke just got done
2: doing a big console kind of uh bookshelf combination that was a commission piece as well but two piece one he was working on that whenever i was in asheville uh doing a collaboration project and he just got that out the door kind of last week so yeah it's definitely one of those things that seems like it it really bumps your timeline down the line quite a bit
1: yeah Uh, i did that with the the great stores i mean that was commissioned work uh, I think I think you just have to be clear about what's taking precedent for that project and what's taking a back seat. So I think it would be tricky to sort of say unilaterally, I'm going to make custom commissions and make content and not really have a clear idea project to project which one takes priority. So right with the with the great store in Venice, I specifically took that commission with the understanding of. Creative freedom, so that I could get content out of it. Now, because of that, I gave them a pretty competitive price, even though everyone on my YouTube channel seems to think that I charged a ridiculously high amount. Which is still still really odd that you know a lot of people that are like, "Oh, you charge too much." No, no, no you you charge what you can get, and uh, I actually charge you know below what I sort of generally would, since they're they're friends of mine, and I want to get content out of it. Um, but. No, I, I think you just have to be clear about what's taking priority and, and not assuming that there's a natural segue. There, has, there can be a sort of overlap, but it has to be structured and it has to be planned.
2: Awesome. Cool. Well, I, now that I mentioned his name, I also need to say congratulations to Johnny Brook from Crafted Workshop. He just had a baby, or his wife just oh, had yeah. a baby. Um, <laughs> no, so, he's the first
0: man to have a baby. Yeah,
2: congrats. Johnny Brook fifth. quite a lineage. Johnny Five.
0: Yep, that's right. Johnny so, number five. Shout out to Johnny. Good job, Johnny. Do you know those movies, Mike? <laughs> no, Do you honestly, get that I don't. I don't, at even all. Get, I don't
2: get the reference. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> it was a it was an 80s movie called Short Circuit.
2: Oh, okay, got you. Well, i I've I've
0: I'm in Joshua Tree.
2: Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, what are you guys working on this week, Chris?
0: Start us off. Uh Okay, so I finished up the record player, like I already talked about. Mm-hmm. After that, it was really nice to transition into a much smaller project. So I did this kind of like. I guess you'd call it like a bathroom caddy shaver stand kind of thing. It's a place where you can put all your shaving accessories and razor blades and all that stuff, store some stuff behind it. And then it has like a holder for your phone on it too. So if you want to like to, do I don't know, listen to some podcasts or something while you're getting ready in the morning. Wink, wink. You can indulge in that. Yeah. So that was a much smaller project. Like, you know, it was the kind of thing that if I was not filming it where you could just like get out to your shop and bust it out and you know, four or five hours or something like that, which I think that's the awesome thing about doing, about focusing on content creation. I mean, that's the whole reason I wanted to get into it in the first place is the variety makes it like so much more interesting. When you get burnt out from one thing, you can just like totally transition and do a different aesthetic if you wanted to do something that's really small scale that you you know you're probably not going to sell if it was a commissioned piece but yeah that's what like makes it enjoyable.
2: Yeah, the only downside to doing content is you just you can't go out into the shop and bust one out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can still bust one out. <laughs> Make sure the door's closed. That's
2: funny. So so you're building it out of what? Is it walnut or plywood or
0: walnut hardwood? It's actually really thin material so I I I didn't want to go get different material. I just wanted to use what I had on hand. So I got a piece of three-quarter inch walnut and resawed it so that all the pieces are just a quarter inch thick. Uh, but yeah, it was—it's cool. It's funny that like even working with something that thin when it's hardwood, like a walnut, like it's still really structurally sound and like it's—it's it's got mitered joints on it. And you would think like there's like barely any material there. You're gonna have to reinforce it or something, but. It's surprisingly strong.
1: Let me guess, Chris. Was there a sponsor for this project?
2: How'd you know? Maybe Dollar
1: Shave Club? <laughs> well, you know what's you know, you know, interesting? What you're doing right there is basically, com- you know, because yeah, I know. so thematically connected the right. project to, uh, you know, the client in this case, which is a, a sponsorship client, that, you know, you you are kind of like sort of splitting the difference in, in that case, but um, that works well when, you know, the actual creative decisions for the physical project are entirely up to you. And the only agreement is on a general category or type of project. So again, one way that I, I, I might sort of suggest, uh, working with custom clients is they, they they sort of settle on a few things like it needs to be about this dimension, serve this function and, uh, sort of, match these sort of color schemes and other than right. that entirely up to you uh might be like sort of a good way to sort of uh you know uh, marry it all together but as for what i've been working on uh, i just published the video for the diy outdoor sofa the one that i made out of the tropical hardwood deck boards uh, i also put a little bit of overview into the different species of tropical hardwood that i looked at in particularly a comparison between garappa kumaru, which is one I ended up using. And what was the other one? Tiger wood. Yes. And so a lot of times tropical hardwoods all get called ipe. And I wanted to sort of show that there's a lot of options for these high performing, super durable uh, wood species that are, that are actually, I think the best options for non-pressure treated outdoor projects. So Uh, Check it out. It's live on my YouTube channel now, and it's a real short video. It's fun. I actually didn't... I've been doing a lot of sponsorship-heavy content lately, so I wanted to throw one out there that didn't have a a direct sponsor for it. So it's a fast video, three and a half minutes, show you how to build a sofa. Uh, We use cushions that were only about $19 each from Target. So I think the whole thing can be built for under $225, which which is pretty outstanding for a a kind of nice looking outdoor sofa.
2: It's comfortable too. It's cool having a low sofa because that means you can also go really low with the coffee table and everything is kind of balanced and, and comfortable while you're sitting. So I liked it a lot.
1: And then the other thing that I've been doing lately is that uh, earlier this week, I we did the live airing of the Moen uh, garbage disposal test that I did. So a while the ago- long I awaited, built, yeah. Yes, I built the acrylic sink quite a while ago. We went to a video studio in Atlanta, and I filmed for a whole day testing by putting different stuff down this uh, Moen GX super powerful garbage disposal. First of all, it's kind of crazy that something the size of a garbage disposal can have a whole horsepower, like just to (laughs) grind stuff up. Um, But anyways... That video uh, is live on my Facebook channel, so we did it as a live broadcast. But now it's hosted on my on the Homemade Modern Facebook page. So be sure to check that out. It's uh, it was cool. It's really fun to do that kind of MythBuster style content, and I'd love to do more of it. So go ahead and give it a like and a share over on the Homemade Modern Facebook page. Even though we all know Facebook sucks, um, do it anyways, <laughs> and uh, let's do more sort of you know crazy kind of weird testing content.
2: Boom. So something was pretty exciting this week. We had another content creator in the shop. We had Mike Clifford from the channel Medustrial Maker. And uh, we built a few projects using GFRC, which stands for Glass Fiber Reinforced Concrete. And essentially, the whole reason you would be adding this glass fiber to a concrete mix mix is it essentially makes it much stronger so that you can get a lot thinner of a slab and still keep that same strength. And so Mm -hmm. we built a foldable fire pit with wooden legs uh, that runs on propane. So the idea is you can pull this fire pit out from underneath the bus, fold it out, hook it up to a propane tank, the same kind you would attach to a grill. And there you go. You now have an awesome outdoor lounge area and coffee table. Um, So that was what we worked on. It's got a really nice white top to it. And we used 2x12s for the base. And while Mike was here, I also taught him how to weld which was definitely a fun experience, uh, being a subpar welder trying to teach someone <laughs> else how to do it. Um, but he got the That's how you learn, man. Exactly. So he got he got the handle of it really quick. It also helped me understand everything a little bit better. Uh, I think I said it earlier while we were working: is you have to really try and understand a technique better when you try and articulate it to somebody else. So we were just uh, making a curved stool. So the top is poured out of GFRC. And we made a concrete form that has a radius to it so that the the part that your butt sits in has a curve so everything's a little more comfortable. And then we used 3 inch steel rod, welded that up into a cool geometric base. It was cool just trying something new, learning a new technique, and uh, having someone that's super experienced in it to walk me along the process. So I think on his channel, he's probably done 10 to 15 GFRC projects. So he's definitely got the hang of it. He's got the hookups with, like, the right brands of products we should be using. And so it was a really seamless project. Um, Nothing was rushed. No major errors. We were able to just hang out, build, and uh, drink beer every night when we were done. So it was a lot of fun. So if you're not following his channel, it'll be linked in the description. And it is Medustrial Maker.
1: Yeah, he's on Instagram, too. He's one of the the sort of up-and-comers that I have my eye on. Uh, He's an awesome guy very smart. Uh, And he, you know, I think one of the things I really like about him is that this is sort of a second act for him. I mean, his background is as a lawyer and uh, quite a successful one at that. And it's just cool to see people, you know, that have a lot of options career-wise be interested in working with their hands and actually be really excited and passionate about it. And uh, yeah, he was, it was just really fun having him out. The collabs were awesome. We, we we all learned a ton from each other, and we're looking forward to have a lot more makers out here.
2: Yeah, and you know what was pretty crazy is he launched his channel
1: with the two
2: by 4 challenge last year. And so I think that was an interesting progression, and it was also totally a coincidence that he ended up coming right after we we had released the plywood challenge. But I don't know. I think it was yeah. a cool roundabout way of bringing it all full circle. For
0: sure. Mike, question about your project. So is this the first official Bus project? It is.
2: Yeah, I think it's the first time the bus nice. has made any kind of cameo on my YouTube channel. Granted, it's, it's been pictured and filmed plenty of times on Instagram, but I think this is the first time I'm, I'm introducing it to my audience at large. So we'll see if people are excited about it and, and what they have to say. But hopefully we'll start the bus here in about three weeks. Um, this Thursday, which is the day you guys are listening to this, I should be on a plane mm-hmm. heading to the UK for Makers Central. A nice... 11 or 12 hour flight. I'll be landing in London, taking the train down to Birmingham or Birmingham. I'm sorry. We're, I'm not going to Alabama. <laughs> You're going
0: to get jumped. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, <laughs> meeting up with some cool makers. And, uh, you know, Jimmy will be there. Bob will be there, uh, along with a bunch of the other kind of Europe based makers like Chris from Get Hands Dirty, Laura Kampf. And uh, yeah, should be a lot of fun. Nice. So if anybody is out there, be sure to say hi, shake my hand, maybe take a picture. And, uh, yeah, let's get to know each other.
0: All right. What are we talking about?
2: Well, I thought since we just got done with this whole collaboration this weekend, we could kind of open the floor and talk about collabs in general. Um, nice. It's kind of been interesting. Me and Ben have been sort of collaborating for the last month and a half on product idea- or project ideas and brainstorming and helping each other with videos, and we haven't really mm-hmm. gotten a chance to talk too much about it. So if anybody kind of wants to take, o- take the lead on this one, I am happy to pass the torch
1: so collaborations are a term that gets thrown a lot around a lot in the sort of youtube community and it normally means that like one content uh creator is then teaming up with another one and it's normally done for an exchange of audiences right um but that's very transactional and it's, there's nothing wrong with that it's, it's it's a great it's a great thing um in fact you know this Podcast is in many ways a collaboration, although it be sort of uh, an ongoing one. And, you know, I don't personally do a whole lot of collaborations just because I tend to think that unless it's ideal circumstances, it's way more efficient for me just to do my thing. And also, mm-hmm. I guess maybe I'm in my old age, uh, I like things on my own terms and I, <laughs> I like Rubby kind of ben. like running the show and just sort of doing things the way I want. And if people want to sort of be around that and help out, awesome. Um, But it's not normally something I I seek out a lot. But uh, watching sort of Mike and Mike sort of work together and uh, seeing what sort of Mike Clifford brought to the table, it made me sort of rethink that a little bit, like that perhaps I'm, you know, in my sort of interest of efficiency of production, I'm perhaps losing some opportunities for sort of growth and expansion uh, through sort of collaborations outside my my normal sort of uh, circle uh, and comfort zone. So I thought it'd be a, uh, an interesting thing for us to talk about because Mike just went through one. Although I was here, I didn't do a lot of projects directly with Mike. I just hung around for the sort of drinking and hanging out part, uh, which is my favorite type of collaboration. <laughs> the after hours. <laughs> um, and right, and... You know, in many ways, that's still an exchange of ideas. It's just not an exchange of things on on camera uh, yeah. as much. And what was what what is good about that, at least, is it's amazing how quickly, when you spend time with people and you're engaging in informal conversation in person, how quickly you update sensibilities. Right. So, if I was to up my concrete game, I'd probably look on some forums look around, maybe on something like Reddit, even though I hate it, Um, watch some other videos, and I would sort of get some things. But I would immediately, for every bit of information that I learned, I'd probably have two or three counter questions, like, well, why? And can it be this? Or what about this? So learning from produced and published media sources, whether they be YouTube or those, does not exchange for that rapid fire of sort of counterpoints that an in-person conversation does. And so in just sort of hanging out and watching Mike and Mike do concrete projects that were using glass reinforcement fibers, which I've never used before, and also using a different type of pigment than what I was familiar with, I was able to say, okay, well, why do you do that? Why do you use paste wax on the melamine? Oh, have you thought about using this? Don't use acrylic, it's too brittle. Try using actual... Uh, uh, a whiteboard, since that's just as smooth, but it has a little bit more flex to it. Those sort of in-person conversations while people are sort of working with their hands and bringing up not necessarily like the main characters or the main materials of the project, but these sort of sub ones was hugely beneficial. So I felt like without even trying, I vastly upped my knowledge of working with concrete, which is fantastic since concrete has been a staple of my channel for a really long time, simply by being able to get all those sort of things answered. And it doesn't mean that Mike had all the answers, but what's just as useful is when he doesn't know. When I said, well, why couldn't we just use those glass reinforced fibers with the quick Create countertop mix and not have to go through all the specialty stuff that's way more expensive? And he's like, I don't know. I'm not sure if it'd work. And I'm like, boom, now I know something that I need to experiment with. And that's something that's hard It's hard to get those counter uh, informational punches uh, when you're sort of just doing that from reading the internet. So as much as I'm a proponent for learning from online media, you can really quickly and efficiently take knowledge bases to the next level when you're all in person.
2: Right. And it kind of makes you a lot more comfortable experimenting when somebody that has a different set of experience or a different set of specialty in a space be open to the idea like what you were saying with the glass fibers, is if you had the idea of mixing glass fiber with countertop mix, it would be one of those things that you kind of Google around, you're kind of unsure of, and you kind of probably like put it off for a long time. But having somebody that's used glass fiber, used the specialty mixes and all this stuff, seeing him kind of be like his ears perked up and be interested in the idea is also like a good kind of kickstart as well. So yeah, it was really cool. I learned a ton about concrete. Uh, I kind of wanted to go over some of the tips, Uh, maybe some listeners might get some uh, useful tips out of this. So the first thing, we used three quarter inch melamine for the form, that's pretty standard, but the rest of the form making was kind of things that I hadn't seen too much before. The first thing we did was coat the entire form once we had it all built in paste wax before we sealed all of the corners with silicone. This made it so that whenever we spread that silicone out with what's actually a cake fondant shaping tool, which will be linked in the video description. So go watch that. There'll be Amazon links and all that. It actually makes it to where the silicone doesn't stick to the form very well so that you can just peel off all the excess and you're left with this perfectly rounded corner, which was really great. And then we just used acetone to remove the paste wax before we poured the concrete. Um, So that was a really cool tip. Learning all the glass fiber was amazing. But what I also found out, which was one of those things that is a super simple step that makes everything kind of just elevated a little bit is after you get your concrete out of the form, melamine has a really slight micro texture. And this is what you were talking about, Ben just a second ago with the idea of using uh, a whiteboard material rather than melamine because whiteboard material is kind of that perfectly smooth finish, but it's only a quarter inch thick. So with that uh, with that smoothness, you're also trading away a little bit of thickness in the form. so it's kind of a give and take. But what I found out is if you do a 400-grit wet sand after you pull it out of the form, then you can get a really, really glass-smooth finish, and uh, and it just looks really great. So learned that. Learned a few products like, a, like an acrylic sealer for the concrete so that if you want to do concrete countertops or a coffee table and you don't really want to get it stained too much, this has a, an acrylic kind of film that goes over the concrete that also soaks into it and hardens and looks really great.
0: What you guys were talking, it just got me thinking about the collaborations that I've done. And then, and in fact, actually, so Mike Clifford, Modestio Maker, is going to be coming back out to my house in June. And we're we're actually planning on doing a few projects. We have a few ideas we're kicking around right now. And we want to try to get maybe even like, you know, two projects each. So we're going to try to be really productive when he's out here. And it is awesome. Like, I mean, the collaborations that I've done in the past with Evan and Caitlin and with Johnny, And even Mike having you over the other day, Mm -hmm. you know, I was just kind of helping you out on your project. It's a ton of fun. Like that's, that's the main thing. The main benefit that I get out of it is it's just more fun than working by myself, but it has me thinking about what would be my ideal collaboration or ideal working environment. I think it'd be really awesome to be in like a big shared space where you're all close enough to like be talking and like work together when you want to, but you still have your independence to work on whatever you need to on your own. Because I find a lot of times when I'm working, when I am by myself, like, you know, you just get kind of bored and you want to step away from a project for a couple minutes. And in my case, like, you know, I usually don't have anything else to work on. So I'll just be like, all right, I'll just go like answer some emails for a couple minutes or I'll go eat lunch or whatever it'd be awesome to have other people around and you can just kind of like jump into their project and help them out if they need help. When you need help, there's somebody right there. You can kind of bounce ideas off each other while you're working on stuff. I think that would be such an awesome environment to be in.
1: Yeah, you could all take a break and go to Applebee's. Maybe. <laughs> <Baby. laughs> Which we did. We went to Applebee's. We
0: did. <laughs> yes,
1: I forgot. we we. Totally forgot to bring that up. So Yeah, and it was as underwhelming as we could have expected. Breaking news. (laughs) I thought my food was pretty good. (laughs) I had a margarita that I swear was like 90% sugar. Oh,
2: yeah, I bet, I bet. So yeah, before I came out to California, I think it was about two weeks, I had mentioned on the podcast that I was looking for maker spaces, um, looking for a potential space to do a maker space, and I've been really, really thinking about that a lot, and me and Ben have actually been talking about it kind of on the side, just as a a hypothetical what if quite a bit. And I think I've come up with the perfect maker space idea, and it fits what you were saying perfectly, Chris, is we need to find a giant self-storage place that has gone out of business. <laughs>
0: self-storage. So
2: imagine this. So you know how normally, let's let's imagine that it's a self-storage place with four kind of rows. The rows on the perimeter are okay. like, it's just single garages that face in. But then the two rows in the center are kind of, I would call them like a double row that face in opposite directions, right? To make columns. So my idea is... On these outside rows, that's where you have individual artist studios. You can have them the size of one kind of self-storage unit, or you can break down a couple walls so people can have bigger spaces too. But the real benefit is you can take out these middle columns and turn them into giant buildings that you can have all the big communal tools. So you could have the -hmm. the big table saws, the welding equipment, maybe uh, like specialty leather or a forge space, all this kind of stuff where... You can have these big communal tools that most people don't have on their own. They can use them, use them freely, film, all this kind of stuff. But then they can also go back to their individual artist studios that are these storage units that have been converted and which normally are also climate controlled, which is comfortable, and kind of work on their own projects
1: on their own when they want to. And then just go next door if they want to talk to their friends. Yeah, the, the biggest, when we were talking about this, I think one of the, and I think this relates to collaboration is that. Uh, think of it as sort of roommates. It's easy to get along with a roommate or a housemate when there's plenty of room, right? When you're, or when there's you know well understood and enforced rules to maintain uh, an equilibrium between a person that might be messy and a person that might be really neat and tidy. Uh, I think the thing for most of the maker spaces that I've ever been from the Autodesk, you know, multi-million dollar totally decked out one to some of the real small, casual, kind of scrappy ones. The thing that I always see as missing the most from makerspaces is the space itself. One of the main reasons that people are going to makerspaces, particularly in cities or urban areas, is because they lack space more than they lack tools. And I feel that one of the reasons why a lot of maker spaces that I've seen haven't worked as well as they should is they were so excited about the hardware and the technology and having the most exotic things and having this lineup of like, we got this 3D printer, we have this CNC, we have a plasma cutter. Oh, do you have a water jet? We have this massive water jet, right? But those things get used by some of the people that have the knowledge, but not all of the people. But what gets used by all the people that are going to go there is the space itself. Uh, and when we were sort of talking about what would be the ideal space for ongoing, consistent collaborations between lots and lots of people, that was the thing that sort of comes to mind. And I'm not saying that we're going to go buy a self-storage center, <laughs> but it was that yeah. kind of concept of of where there's sort of compartmentalization. And the, uh, also shared spaces and managing the right flow of that will be the sort of, I think, the the determining factors that do that. So collaborations and housemates go great when there's enough space for people to kind of do their own thing, but enough connection for them to to share ideas and, and do that. So even just now, like uh, me and Mike, will work on our own projects. Then we'll like have a cup of coffee, kind of, you know, chat a little bit. Uh, see what the other person's doing. Oh, that's cool. Learned something. Yeah. Then we'll go do our editing or something like that. And it's awesome because there's constant feedback and idea challenging on a daily basis. uh, But there's still plenty of resources and space for us to each do our own thing and escape when we need to sort of edit and have, you know, Uh, some do some quiet uh, productive work yeah I think that's
2: the secret is balancing the communal space with some private space so that the people that do like to spread out and kind of have their tools out as they're working they can kind of have their messy little studio but the people that are very organized and all about making sure everything has a home they can keep their space super tidy and they won't be annoyed by the people (laughs) like uh, like me
1: and you Ben yeah, we tend to be... A-
0: that was quite the garage you guys had set up when I was over there. Man. Yeah,
1: we're, we're actually due for a kind of a, a shop organization and cleanup kind of thing. But that, that's something we like to do with like, a, with like a beer in hand. So it'll kind of be when people are a little bit burnt out, you're tired from editing, tired from voiceover, tired from feeding all the chipmunks. Um, you know, sometimes, you know... Oh, that's the other fun thing. Cleanup is, is kind of fun as a communal activity. Right, where cleanup is never fun as an individual activity, unless you're listening to an awesome podcast like The Modern <laughs> Um But no, so cleanup with, with a community of people that are all sort of ready to call an end to the day is actually fun, because put on the music, get a few beers, if you're Chris, get a few Pop-Tarts. Hey, oh, those are delicious, man. To, okay, so <laughs> I, I got I to gotta blow up Chris's spot a little bit. So Chris came and visited. What did I do? <laughs> I swear, Chris Salimone, yeah. in the space of like four hours ate four pop tarts three pop tarts one i ate on the way to your okay house. three packs
0: of pop tarts because yeah. you were doubling down too. you were
2: you were eating two pop tarts at the same time
1: yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't get them it in fast the most, enough man
1: yeah eating a pop tart sandwich made from two pop tarts is <laughs> pretty savage
0: <laughs> i just needed a pop tart so. in the middle oh, i could have put some salsa but you in know what's there. weird
1: I haven't thought about a pop tart in so long, and then after I seen you ate them, then I totally went and ate one. See, man, and they were I gotta amazing. get a pop. Yeah, you had a whole box,
2: or you bought a whole box of pop tarts, so I ended up eating some too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> They're good, man.
2: Awesome. So, you guys obsessed with anything? You got oh Ben? I know you're obsessed with something because I, and, I, and I know it's your obsession, so I'm not gonna talk about it.
1: But I'm so pumped about this. You're up. Okay, so let's hear it. Mine is Onyx motorbikes. So, yeah. I bought an electric motorcycle today. Oh, you Um, bought it? It's official? I got one too. Nice. Yeah, so they're having a- You did? Yeah, we're going to be a motorcycle gang. Chris, (laughs) you need to get one. All right, I'm on it. They're in pre-order, and we all know that they're having an Indiegogo sort of pre-order campaign, and they say that they're going to be delivered in August. I fully expect them not to be delivered in August. I understand how challenging these things are, and I'm expecting it hopefully sometime in the next year, but- You know, fingers crossed, and whatever they do, it is fine. So for $2,100, I bought an electric motorcycle that has a range of 75 miles and a top speed of 60 miles an hour. Dang. And uh, they look. Yes, it can't go 70 miles an hour, or it can't go 75 miles at 60 miles an hour, but still really powerful for an electric bike. And they look really cool. So you can check them out on Instagram at Onyx, O N Y X, motorbikes. And yeah. They are mm-hmm. they are pretty cool. So me and Mike each got the same one. And they were recommended by our friend uh MJ. Uh who thanks MJ, shout out to MJ. And you can uh see what MJ's up to at Mech M E C Jagger on Instagram. Mech Jagger. Pretty cool, pretty cool yeah. handle.
2: I'm excited. Yeah, they look really great. They've got like uh, plenty of room for sort of customization, which I think that's what me and Ben are going to do. I think maybe it's a video for the podcast channel. Maybe it's individual videos for our channels, but maybe throw on some fenders or it's got some raw steel on it that we could paint different colors or maybe add leather to a seat. There's like a bunch of different options for kind of customizing them and it could be a cool little challenge for who can make the coolest looking bike.
0: So if it's for the podcast, then I guess that means I have to get one, right?
1: Yep.
2: Man, I mean, not to pressure you into it, but yeah, you have to get one. uh, (laughs) That's what you have to tell Dolores. Sorry, I have to get one. It's for the podcast. Sorry, babe. Work. Sorry. (laughs) Awesome. Well, I've got got an obsession this week. Uh, My buddy, Caleb, who has actually helped me with a few videos in the past, back in the day before I was out here in California, um, he recommended an Instagram account to me way back, and it's called Minimalist Bible. Um, It's kind of one of those accounts that doesn't produce original content, but they kind of sort of aggregate all kinds of things. So it's all kind of things that fit into the whole minimalist aesthetic. Um, and, they, and they've and they been posting a few cool things this week. The first one that really caught my attention was a black and white bathroom where uh, everything is just one floor across and there's no real super uh, defined shower space. Uh, the only thing there is just like a glass wall, but it's just super clean. Like I said, obviously, super minimal and looks really great. So if you're into that kind of sleek, no frills look and a lot of things that are painted white, uh, you'll probably dig that feed. It's about 30,000 followers, so let's give it a bump. It's good stuff.
0: Nice. My obsession for this week is Pop-Tarts. Now, I know a lot of you <laughs> would probably go... <laughs>
2: That's your obsession with your life. A lot life. of you would go That's with the, uh, you know,
0: strawberry with frosting, the common one. That's it's okay. But if you want to just you know, push it one step further, maybe you go for a blueberry. Or if you want to really get nuts... You get yourself something with some chocolate in it. I think that's where the money is right there. So you can follow them at, uh, <laughs> you can follow know, them at Pop-Tarts. Pop-Tarts on Instagram or you can just uh, Google Pop-Tarts or go to PopTarts.com probably or just uh, watch some kids' cartoons and you'll see their commercials. Or just
2: go to aisle four in any
0: grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> get yourself some Pop-Tarts.
1: Well, here, here's a question, Chris. Like, would you... Like, if, if you had, like, uh, are you a big dessert person? I do like dessert. Yeah, I got a sweet tooth. Would, would you ever, like, if, if there was options for you of, like, you know, a delicious piece of pie, a cake, uh, a donut, uh-huh. a ice cream, or Pop-Tarts, would you ever pick the Pop-Tart over no. those things? Ooh, so what would you choose? What is no. the ultimate? So, Unless it was for but traveling. It's, it's, but it pro- for- it's probably just as, bad for, it's just as bad for you as those things, right? Probably almost. So, like, why don't you just, like... Is it just the portability it's that the portability, makes you eat Yeah, them? what if I was like there's way better <laughs> I snacks. I showed up
0: at your guys' house with just like a bunch of lemon meringue pies <laughs> that I'm scarfing down.
2: <laughs> I was expecting Chris to fire back like you do not that talk bad so about pop tarts. <laughs> it is not just because they're portable.
0: I come to your guys' house with like cargo shorts on, I'm reaching into the pockets <laughs> just pulling out apple pie.
2: It's delicious. Yeah. Oh, you know what's funny is I got a care package from my grandma. And it was I full <laughs> of baked goods. She cooked, or she baked like brownies, blondies, oatmeal cookies, all kinds of stuff. And then uh, she tried to overnight it to me, but it took FedEx a week for it to get to me. So <laughs> everything was a little bit dry, but it was a full house and, and people were happy that the sweets were there. So shout out to, shout out to Grandma Betty. Nice. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I'm sending it to the closing right now. I'm doing it do it if you haven't already please just give us a podcast review that's all we want people we just need the reviews so if you can Mm -hmm. do that we would love you forever also don't forget hashtag rockler plywood challenge build something out of one sheet of plywood you can add a little of something here or there throw some metal in it throw some plexiglass in it throw some paint whatever you want to do just don't make it too crazy with other materials and uh to enter literally just hashtag rockler plywood challenge it is as simple as that we are scouring the post every day, making sure we see everything new. And we're reposting it too. So, thumbs up to that. On Instagram, we are at Modern Builds, at Four Eyes Furniture, at Benjamin Nueta, and at Modern Maker Podcast as a Collective. So, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time on the Modern Maker Podcast. Bye, everybody. See
1: ya. Bye.